Oh, welcome to that 80s show. <laughs> Dude, I'm too old for this. I can't. I can't. I can't be headbanging to these hairbands so early in the morning. Like, I'm too old now. <laughs> we gotta tone it down a little bit there. We're gonna counteract our medication. <laughs> Wow. It, it's all fun and games when you're listening to, oh, you know, um, hair bands, hair rock, so great in the 80s. But remember, we were young then. Now, listening back to it, great song. And we Love had the, the hair then. Oh, we had yeah. the hair then. We don't have it now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to that 80s show. How are you doing, Dory? That song took me back, though. That was great. It really did take me back. It was cool. Do you know, I was watching this god-awful Pam and Tommy show, okay? Um, it's mm. the story of their sex tape getting stolen. And it's it's a nightmare. It's, ter- it's so didn't bad. Didn't they put it out on purpose? It didn't get stolen. Didn't they, like, put it out into the world on purpose? No, you're thinking of the Kardashians because um, <laughs> Pam and Tommy... <laughs> according to this story they didn't they were mortified by it and um right the kardashian mother seeing a few years later mm. when listen she probably manufactured the sex tape she took control of the distribu- distribution rights so they yeah. were yeah she was like oh no i'm not gonna let this thing go and make millions and kardashian paws don't get all over that so i'm watching this terrible show and i'm like you know we never mm. play motley crew on the show and i was like let's go find mm. some motley crew and there's a reason Great mm. music, not good for the old tickers. <laughs> it's good to, you know, clean out the cobweb once, cobwebs once in a while. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> uh, the song allegedly yeah. about uh, mm. Nikki Six and um, them having to like pump adrenaline into his heart after having an overdose, and, like shoved adrenaline into his chest to bring him back to life. I'm, I mean, sounds legit, right? Sounds very legit. So <laughs> that 80 show. <laughs> another week, another twist in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. You know, we've had Jennifer <laughs> Grey. She pops out of nowhere, mm. allegedly dated Johnny Depp. We've had Drew Barrymore, all our 80s we've friends. Had llamas. We, yes. God, <laughs> like... And this week, okay, not technically 80s, touch more 90s, Mm. Kate Moss is now Mm. standing up for her. I mean, that was a notorious relationship, the two of them. So glam. But you know what the the thing, okay, I'm going to get serious for a minute. The thing is, it doesn't matter how anybody else's relationship was. It's irrelevant because I know people who have great relationships and then they'll get into a bad relationship. Yeah. That's toxic. And they will act and behave very differently. Everybody else's, his previous relationships are irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. The thing though is, like, so we watch it and it's, let's not, uh, let's not beat around the bush. We talk about it because it's <laughs> good for the show. <laughs> people, people love, we, true story, children gather around. Whenever we put Johnny Depp in the title, we get more listens. So we're going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) For as long as this trial goes on, and it seems like it's going to go on forever. But I'm like, who wins? What is this actually for? Is this for like... Her, him, Johnny Depp, to be paid money by her because she's spoken shit about him. That's not true. Is that that's what the whole thing's I about? I actually right? don't even know. I don't right. know. It's a defamation trial, so it's like I'm going to sue you for defamation because you said things about me that aren't true, and now I'm never going to be able to work again because, well, from Amber's point of view, yeah. as uh, as Gareth Cliff put it um, on the show this morning, she will forever only be known as the girl who shat in the bed now. <laughs> Like, no one's going to know anything. Like, that's how she's going to be referred to for the rest of her life. Whereas Johnny Depp will probably come back and do some good movies. And for Amber Heard, <laughs> there's probably a sex tape in that. So let's not, like, close off all avenues for her. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine the porn that is being made right now that's, like, ripping off this um, relationship? I'm trying to think. Because you know that porn does that. Oh, of course it does. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, a, of a porn-tastic name for Pirates of the Caribbean. But I, I can't think of it. But it'll come more Aquaman. It'll come to me. <laughs> wait, wait. What What did he call it? He called it a grumpy, right? Oh, God, no. I'm not even going to comment on that. <laughs> Something with grumpy. Hmm. Oh, stay out of that. God, when I think back to Johnny Depp in the 80s, 21 Jump Street, oh. it feels like 300 years ago. It was like, here's, you know, so, like I think of myself when I was younger and I go, I'm not that person anymore. Like Johnny Depp. I don't think he was that person anymore. (laughs) Do you think he was always weird like that, but just because he had to play like the pretty boy role? I do remember reading things like that. So when he first did Edward Scissorhands, 
scissor hands. He was like, mm. I love doing this movie because I'm not that pretty boy and I was never comfortable being the pretty boy. That's why I did this to look like weird. And so I suppose he was never that guy. So maybe that explains the initial attraction between him and Amber is that they kind of recognized weirdness in each other and where they were like, we can be weird together. Mm-hmm. But then it just took a bad turn. Yeah, It's like, hey, you want me to be weird? I'll be weird. But once this box <laughs> is open, <laughs> the poop comes out and it never goes back in. <laughs> so uh, end it- up with a grumpy. I end up with a grumpy. I don't even want to explore that, Dory. I'm so tempted to just Google what is a grumpy. Should we do it? I'm going to do it. Let's just Google what is a grumpy. Don't even. I'm going to. Do, do I need I to mean, put my, do I need so to take safe euphemisms. search There are so many euphemisms for a poop, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, there's lots. There's deuce. There's grumpy now that we know. I didn't know it before, I'll be honest. I've never heard of that one. Um, I'm sure there's, well, I mean, there's, you know, dropping the kids off at the pool, which I always love. Yeah, yeah. Um, log there's the log there's i mean this it's it's just for me absolutely one of the funniest and i have not watched a lot of the trial really i've watched tiny tiny amounts of this trial because i can't i just can't but that part the way he says grumpy (laughs) and he says it so grumpily (laughs) so funny oh like everyone says the performance of their lives the absolute performance Mm. of their lives Jeez. So okay, what has Google found for you? No, it just it just it showed me Grumpy Cat, funnily enough, which opens up a whole new <laughs> realm of imagination. Oh. <laughs> okay. Wow, your your search history is clean then. Well done. Yes, I, I clear it every day. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> it's like if if you had to like look at my search history, you go, this guy's either content creator slash writer or a, a psychopath. Because <laughs> you know the things it's like you're busy writing some stuff, putting stuff together. Go, I wonder about this. Whatever happened to that person? Mm. They did what? What is that? Ooh, oh, gross! A video? Of course I'll watch it. Not safe for work. This is my work. Click. Mm. Oh God! Whew. Sirens! Police! Jail! Internet taken away by Elon Musk. Not fun. Not fun. I, I think this is this is a good opportunity for for me to ask if. Dolph Lundgren's nipples are in your search history. Because here's the thing, okay? I didn't watch your movie recommendation. <laughs> what was it called again? Red Scorpion. Red I didn't Scorpion. watch it. But I did skim. It is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. A very bad copy. Mm-hmm. Very bad copy on YouTube. But um, I did skim through it to find shots of these so-called enormous nipples. Huge, eh? And I have to say, no, no. I have to say, not as not as enormous as you made them out to be. I think I understand what you mean in terms of they protrude, protrude. They protrude. They protrude. Boob. (laughs) (laughs) They protrude um, more than one would expect. Maybe that's what I mean. And yes, I suppose the, I was expecting, maybe I was expecting like a female nipple, a large areola area. Right. And I was, but then that wasn't, but then we, on on the, on the, like there's one shot I managed to get quite close up and yes, the actual, protruding nipple part was rather large. <laughs> Maybe that, when, when you skim through it, were you on a laptop or a phone or on a TV? <laughs> on a laptop. Yeah, I see. I was, I, I was watched on a TV, so it could, but I also th- I, it's a dodgy, it's a dodgy copy. Dodgy. So listen, th- they're very protruding. I mean, you, you're right. I, I, uh, maybe that's what I'm thinking about. It's like actually how yeah. far off the chest do they come? And here's at least a few meters. Yes. So that could be, as opposed to when you're looking at him straight on, like a 2d version, they don't take up a large area of the chest. Okay. So you're expecting area rather than like, depth. I was expecting area and you were going more for the 3d effect. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we, I love how scientific we're getting about Dolph Lundgren's nipples again. I mean, this is just amazing. And I feel not enough. When people we get have. to interview him, <laughs> when we get to interview him, we're going to have to ask him about his nipples. <laughs> oh, the things I will ask Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> like one whole hour will just be to like, just tell me about Grace Jones. I need to know about this. <laughs> I think he'd be scared to say things. I think he would I, be terrified. Yeah. Cause she's, she's still around. She's lurking. Um, oh, an hour about He-Man. I just ask him just all about He-Man. I'd be like, you are the f- only He-Man I've ever seen in real life. Like, like fuck the haters, like best ever. <laughs> so, um, Dory, Cracked, Cracked.com. Uh, every Love now it. and again, every now and again, they pop up an article. Go check it out yourself. We'll put the link that Eddie Show say Facebook. 
nice article about, there's actually a couple of 80s articles on there now, 15 ways the 80s changed music. Okay, oh, very intriguing. Ooh. I said, oh, show content, going to put it on the show, going to fill up at least 10 minutes. <laughs> I won't go through all. Yes, because we need help. We need help. I don't think so. I don't think so. We, could, we did a pretty good job there, padding with uh, Dolph Lundgren's nipples. So for, um, I'm not going to go through all the 15. These are the things that crack.com says changed music in the 80s, the way 80s changed music. Number one, straight up, the birth of MTV. I mean, that's mm. got to be it, right? And it's so crazy. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Right? To go, when you look at MTV now, I don't even know if it still shows in South Africa, but it's there's no music. They don't show music anymore, right? It's just reality mm. shows. But there was a stage where music videos were just massive. I think they still are. They still spend a fair bit of money on them, but they don't really have a home per se. I'm sure they, there's, there's something on MTV. But like before, there mm. were no music videos. Like if you go look back from no, the 70s, it was just, like just on a band. Recordings of live performances. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you actually know why yeah. they did that. You know why they did that? Oh, one of the reasons they did it is that to play mm. in clubs, if the band that they wanted, they couldn't afford them to make like an appearance, they'd play the music video. Mm. Um, and it was like a, like to look, oh, it looks like in a club. Um, on, on a stage. So, so, but MTV forced everyone to go, look guys, you got to make cool music videos. Cause that's what we're in the business of. Of course, yeah. when you have something to look at, the next thing that changed was pop superstars, because now you had to look like something you had to have a gimmick, right? Because mm. you, you kind of had Elvis and the Beatles. Then you had little pockets of things, but you didn't have pop superstars until the eighties. Then like, Madonna, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Prince, they all just started coming out the woodwork. And then that was because we needed a gimmick. We needed something cool to look at. This is what I love. Hmm. The 80s bought us soundtrack yeah. albums. Love. Oh, oh. Yes. Hey, they were the best. Like, think about it today. Like in the 80s, it wasn't weird to actually own the movie soundtrack. Like of oh, the topical. I had many, so many Top Gun. I remember. Oh, you've just given me a nostalgia. Oh, okay. I remember going and buying the soundtrack for Beat Street. Wow! I'm so excited, so excited to get it. It was a record, of course, on vinyl. So excited to go get it, listen to it nonstop for I don't know how long. You see, and I had so I had. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it was mine, but Top Gun was in there. I had Ghostbusters, the Ghostbusters soundtrack. Ghostbusters, of course. Of I course, had yeah. the Thrashin soundtrack. I had, I mean, and then we all started having Flash Dance, Dirty Dancing, Footloose. I mean, and they weren't just like one song and then all the like theatrical. <laughs> That's what I hate about a soundtrack now. You get like all the scores. It's like, I'm sure they're lovely. Yeah. Danny Elfman does and it's fantastic. Yeah. But I don't want to listen to scores. I want to listen to hit songs. <laughs> yes. So the 80s was huge in oh, that. The Batman soundtrack's amazing though. And you know what else was great was the Less Than Zero soundtrack. Oh, I had the Batman I've spoken one. about it before. I had the it Batman one. It was really one. excellent. Yes. Oh, I mean, Batman was so cool. And and Prince in that 1989 one, yeah. he took it seriously. So mm. he like did Bat Dance. He did like loads of songs for that that he just released. There was like just another Prince album. So you had that happening mm. often. You said there you bought it on vinyl. Um, that's what the eighties also did. It was the era that before that you only had vinyl, the eighties birthed mm. cassettes, CDs, mm. and the first start of digital music. And what was those other little things? Micro discs all started in the eighties. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. more than that, portable music, because it was with cassettes came Walkman, came, uh, was it Walkmans? Yeah, it was Walkmans. Then you had Discman, yes. then you had boom boxes. So like, just cause you had easier ways to carry music around. Uh, you had all these different formats starting to pop up. I used to have mostly the record, but then I would record the record onto a tape for my <sighs> yellow Sony Walkman that what? went everywhere with me. What? What device <laughs> did you have that could do that? What are you talking about? Yes. We had a hi-fi system. The hi-fi system that had the turntable and the double tape deck. Yes. And did the radio. And no. you could record from the record onto no. the tape. No ways. Yes. Yes. No, I was. How did you not have this? No, we had, like I was like quite like I consider myself to be a, quite like a like technological little kid. I could figure things out. I, I never knew you could do that. Yes. The, the one we had didn't do that then. In that case, the one we had couldn't record from oh. vinyl. Yeah, with the crackling and everything. Well, I guess so. 
No. This is, how, how even? I'll tell you, you know what, actually, I'll tell you what really, really got me started on all this was uh, my dad's best friend, who was quite a bit younger than him, the man who introduced me to Lloyd Cole, I just want to say, oh, my favorite singer from the 80s. And um, he used to actually record off his records for us. And he used to give me, and he had the most beautiful handwriting. And he used to give us these cassette tapes of all the things he'd recorded for us, like, and all the tracks written with his beautiful handwriting on the tapes. It was very hard for me to get rid of those tapes after many, many, many years, because after many years I didn't need them. But it was just like, oh, this is like my childhood, literally. I can't believe what you're telling me. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't do it. It just doesn't, and you didn't have like any extra cables. It was just like all in this magical, cause I mean, I'm high sure fives. I'm sure there were some cables. I'm sure there were some cables in the back of the thing that did things. Good God, like yeah. I thought because I figured out how to, I mean, I was a guy who could make, I was making bootleg VHS cassettes. I've never heard, Dory, that's, you made my day, I've got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in the 80s, the way music changed, disco died in the 80s. I don't know if you ever watched it. It was like oh. captured so well on the Bee Gees documentary that, that Barrett and I watched um, when they had this no. massive disco um, destroying event at a baseball game, right? Because obviously disco, like when you got yeah. rednecks, disco is for black people and gay people. That's all the way they think about it. So they say, well, while it's evil music, yeah. we've got to destroy it. And they like burnt vinyls and disco oh, vinyls. I've listened to a podcast about that. Yes. Disco Demolition Night. I've, Correct. I've, 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 I've listened to a podcast about it. Crazy shit. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. So so stupid. And that kind of killed disco. Um, but from mm. that, I mean, it never really killed disco because you've got to be honest, like anything Michael Jackson and Madonna, even Prince were doing in the 80s, super disco. <laughs> so disco never died. And then <laughs> yeah. disco, obviously, yeah. um, Disco became dance music, the teen pop craze. Oh God. Like yeah. teen yeah, pop stars were just getting yeah, Tiffany, Debbie yeah. Gibson, New Kids on the Block. There was that girl. Oh my God. What was her name? Nicole something. She was like 13 or something. She was also like a one hit wonder though. Oh. And she sang, I mean, you could hear it was a child singing. I think she was actually like more like 12 and you oh, could, really? it sounded like a child singing, but she had this huge hit single. I'll, I'll track her down. They did gigs in malls. It was like the teen mall. They used to go like we've. I think it's one of Tiffany's videos. Is actually, I think we're alone now. She ends up in a mall, and it was an actual concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they used to go and perform in like the food courts of malls. What else? How else did the eighties change music? Nineteen eighties. I say it. Nineteen eighties into probably the early nineties. Um, the golden age of hip hop has to be. Has to be. Mm. I mean, every anybody well, for doing huge for sure. No, I think you speak to a lot of people. Anybody who is doing hip hop now is still like influenced by the guys that are popping up in the eighties. And you go look into the birth of hip hop. How hip hop came about, like due to blackouts in the Bronx and riots in the Bronx, and just like kids then looting and the first thing they were stealing, the thing they were stealing more than anything was DJ equipment, musical equipment, turntables, speakers. That's what they were going for more than anything. And then they went, started underground block parties, started MCing, started DJing, started hip hop. So burst hip hop out of that. So who knows what'll come out of load shedding, Dory? Who knows <laughs> what, what musical genre has been birthed? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> um, and opening up, uh, we, we, we started it. This is number one on this list from Cracked. How the 80s mm -hmm. changed rock music. Glam metal was scary important. The subgenre of glam metal, um, <laughs> where the guys with the makeup and teased hair got laid more than any man who ever lived, became the largest, most commercially successful genre of music in the 80s. And that's true, hey? Bon Jovi was best-selling album, yeah. Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, they were massive. They set records then that took like 10 years to break. But when I hear the word the words glam metal, I think of Kiss. That's what I think of. Like not not, not so much Guns N' Roses and Bon Jovi. Well, Kiss more 70s. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. In, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Is that like for me, Bon Jovi and Guns N' Roses is more like rock, not okay. so much metal. Okay. Okay. Yeah, pedantics. I know what you're saying. The article ends up saying we were choking <laughs> on we were choking on hairspray and spandex. No wonder we all started wearing flannel a few years later. <laughs> um, you, <laughs> you mentioned Bon Jovi. Have you seen his son? Mm, don't think so. He's dating a pop starlet, one of these uh, Doja Cat's 
Eilish, one of those. He's dating one of those. He is this, is it spitting or splitting image? Whichever one, spitting, splitting. Mm, Split, splitting, splitting makes sense because you, anyway, mm. he looks exactly like his father. It, it is ridiculous, <laughs> like his father looks, um, but he's dating a pop starlet. He's a model, he's a model, Bon Jovi's son. Um, I don't know, is it Charles Bon Jovi or something like that? But anyway, that is- I will, I will Google him. 80s music, we love it, but we also love 80s movies. So we said before, Dory said, I said, Dory, I've got a fantastic movie you're gonna hate. She says, I've got a fantastic movie you're gonna hate. Why do we even do this segment? <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, exactly that's why. <laughs> contrast, for the contrast. Yes, yes. For the, what, what, what is that fancy word for putting things next to each other? Joy de vivre. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my brain's my brain's gone blank. Um, right. Question though, before we start our movie feature, we're not still doing that whole Chad Lowe, Frank Stallone, Don Swayze thing, are we? This week, I did it. Oh, oh, oh have you done it this week? Okay, oh, my God, do I have I a was, trifecta? I was okay, cool. Because I was going to do one, and then I was like, you know what? I feel like my last two movies have been so bad. They've been, they've been that I bad. need a palate cleanser of sorts. Mm. Okay. I need something, I need to swing the pendulum to the other extreme this week, oh. and then maybe I can edge back towards the weird sibling theme. But right. this week, I couldn't do it. Do you know? I was like, I need. Last week, last yes. week you did I Married a Calendar Girl. Mm -hmm. um, Centerfold. Oh, yes, that one. See, can't even remember that. Mm. Which which kind of negates what I'm the authenticity of what I'm going to say. <laughs> but do you know how much I remember that movie? So I was going through. I was like, oh my God, I remember. Why do I remember this movie so vividly? I remember that movie so well. Mm -hmm. Damn it! <laughs> we, we've all watched that movie. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I've definitely watched this. Yeah. Of course, I didn't remember most of it, but I had definitely watched it in in my youth. Yes. So why do you remember it? No, I don't know. I just, when I was watching, I was like, geez, so many of these things. Like, So that means I, I watched it numerous times. And probably, I mean, we all know why. Numerous times. <laughs> uh, oh, it's not like there's nakedness in it. No, but so I, don't I mean, know why, actually. I suppose it's titillating, you know? It's like, um, mm. you know, yeah. Sunday afternoon movie yeah. titillation. Yeah. Anyway. Regale me. And, yeah, and she was supposed to strip in it, so eh, maybe. I will regale you this week with something so arty. Wow. You are going to have to start speaking in a French accent. Good grief. Yeah. I even made notes. Okay, first of all, I actually watched this entire movie. A very dodgy copy is on YouTube. I did watch that very dodgy copy, and it was okay. I'll tell you why, because in my youth – Going back to my university days, mm -hmm. I watched this movie probably twenty times, <laughs> so I remembered a lot of it, right. and it was it was okay to like just recall. Yeah, no, this this was one of my absolute favorite movies when I was younger, and again, I'm going to regale you with stories of mini cine, the little the little art mm. art independent cinema that was in Hillbrow that used to show all these cool film festivals. And this was one of the movies that used to play there. But I actually seem to recall watching this one at the Mall of Rosebank, probably, which was also the RT cinema. And I loved this movie so much. And then I got hold of a copy of it on VHS and watched it over and over and over and over again. And I always considered it to be one of my favorite films. When I started re-watching it the other day on YouTube, I was like, hmm, oh dear, you know, <laughs> is this as great as I remember? There's a few things about it that I'm like, hmm, I definitely see that differently now. Hmm. Okay. But by the time I got to the end, by the time I got to the end, I was like, yes, it is still an absolutely great film. Even though the whole thing is on YouTube, it is still a great arty film. Okay. Um, I'm not going to necessarily make you guess, but I'll tell you, it is based on a very famous book, which I have not read. I've not read the book. I've only seen the film. Apparently the book is incredible and 
very, very, very different to the film. In fact, the author of the book was involved in the making of the film and still hated how it came out. And after it was, after it came out, he refused for any of his future books to ever be made into movies or any other, any of his other books. He was like, you are never making a movie out of my book ever again because he hated the outcome so badly. So I don't know how it compares to the book because I haven't read the book, but, I, but what, from what I've heard, um, the book is fantastic as well. It's a very arty title. I'm going to tell it to you. And maybe you know it, Paula. Maybe you know it. I'll tell you why you might know this movie. Even though this is an extremely arty, sophisticated, grown-up film, if there were to be a tagline that went on the movie poster, the tagline for this movie would be, take off your clothes. <laughs> because that line, <laughs> that line is said in the movie multiple times in multiple circumstances and it's quite funny because the it's this movie is pretty much known as like an erotic sex film but there is a lot more to it than that i promise i promise there is i'm not just doing porn for the sake of porn at this point in time the movie i'm talking about is a movie that came out in 1988 called the unbearable lightness of being Oh, I know that movie. Never watched it because it is not the sort of movie that I would enjoy. Well, I'd, it, except Paolo, there's a lot of nakedness in it, a lot. And it's like, when I say, it's, I mean, it's known as the sex film, but there's you don't actually see a lot of sex. And the sex that you do see is very tastefully done. In fact, let me read you a line from the review of the movie from... What's his name? Roger Ebert, I think it is. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to check here. Um, yes. So Roger Ebert reviewed this film in 1988. He gave it four stars, which I think is, I think it's out of five. So I think that's good. Okay. <laughs> it's not out of 10. He, he, he does rave about it for many reasons. And, and the last line of his review really sums it up, which is, okay. So the, the movie is um, directed by Philip Kaufman, who, Mm, he's done a few things, we, not important, we won't get into it. What is remarkable about the unbearable lightness of being, however, is not the sexual content itself, but the way Kaufman has been able to use it as an avenue for a complex story, one of nostalgia, loss, idealism, and romance. Mm. And that really sums this movie up, is that there is a lot of sex in it, there is a lot of nudity in it, but that's not the point of it. It's, it, it's used to tell... It's a beautiful story. It is essentially a love story. It's a little bit of a love triangle type situation. But what makes it arty and interesting is it's set, the movie is set in 1968 in Czechoslovakia, what was then known as Czechoslovakia, just before what was known as, and I I didn't even know it had this name, it was called the Prague Spring, you know, like we had the Arab Spring. They had the Prague Spring, which was an uprising against, basically Russia invaded Czechoslovakia and wanted to make the whole place communist, communist, com, communistic. <laughs> Good word. Good word for early in the morning. <laughs> make, make them go with communism. <laughs> Let's go with communism was meant to take over and the Russians were in charge. Yes. Um, and there was a huge uprising against it. In the end, oh, I don't, I mean, I think for a long time, like communism won over whatever people were trying to do there. But so there's that, there's a lot of political stuff. In fact, what they did in the film is they took actual stock footage from the uprising, like from news or wherever they managed to get it from. And they very, very cleverly inserted some of the cast members into that black and white footage. Oh. And like, so all of a sudden the film almost takes like a little bit of a, a tangent about halfway through as this starts happening. And all of a sudden it goes into black and white and there's all this weird, like kind of stuff happening, but you see the cast, the main cast members in this actual footage. It's very cleverly done. I think it was one of the, the first times that that was done. We're like, they were mm. like, Oh, we can digitally do things here. So it was, it was, uh, I remember getting quite a lot of attention for that. The Unbearable Lightness of Being is, it's a long movie. It's almost three hours long. It is beautiful. It is slow paced, but not slow. Because the thing about the pace is that you get into it and you really get drawn into it. And it's less about, oh, I wish something would happen already, as opposed to just kind of enjoying the feeling that it, that okay. it brings out in you. The main cast, Daniel Day-Lewis, main guy. And I, I have to say, even though this film is set in 1968, he is sporting the most 80s hairstyle ever 
in this movie. Oh, I have to look at that. I'm sure I will find a picture to put on our (laughs) Facebook page. It's a very 80s, like mini Afro almost. Juliette Benoche is um, Teresa, who is um, his his main love interest in the movie. I mean, you might know Juliette Binoche from, mm-hmm. she's done lots of other arty things. Yeah. French actress. Um, she did Chocolat. Mm-hmm. You might remember Chocolat. I think, didn't Chocolat have Johnny Depp in, actually? Yes, 100%. Speaking of Jenny, Johnny Depp. Yes. You yes, know what? Yes, yes. You know what also had Johnny Depp and Chocolate in? Willy Wonka. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> The other um, main character is Lena Olin, who actually is a Swedish actress. Um, and she stars as um, kind of Tomaj's, um, what could we say? His side chick. Okay. Except that, so they have this like physical relationship. They, they, they don't have like an emotional relationship. They have this physical relationship. And she is just gorgeous. And yes, you see a fair amount of her and she's just... She is supposed to be the sexual goddess type role. And interesting enough, so she's, as I said, Swedish. And then also coming up later in the film, Stellan Skarsgård has a small role in, okay. in the film. And I mean, you must, you know, you know, Stellan Skarsgård is Alexander Skarsgård's dad. Yeah, yeah. So we all know Alexander Skarsgård as this hot, hot man from True Blood and Jungle Book and all those other movies. But his dad in the 80s was extremely good looking guy as well. Really? Um, and he's, yeah. I know when you think of Stellan Skarsgård now, you think of this old man. He actually, in like, his youth, I'm just oh. googling him. Actually, looks ex- actually looks exactly like his son. If those aren't pictures of his son, actually, no. I think better looking. Yeah. Okay. You say better. Yeah. Okay. Computes. I can mm. see it. I think, in my opinion, mm. I was always a bull, a, a bull girl for True Blood. So <laughs> you know, you asked the wrong person. But yes. So it's got like a fair, and also like um, Derek Delint, relatively famous guy, um, Donald Moffat in it. So like, but very arty kind of cast. The basic story is, like I say, it's a love story. It's a bit of a love triangle. Basically, Tomaj is this player. He's a complete player. He doesn't want to settle down. He just flits from woman to, th- that's why he's constantly saying, take off your clothes. So first of all, he's a doctor. Yeah. He's a doctor, but he's also this complete playboy. And he's constantly like just bedding all the nurses in the hospital and stuff like that. And he's always just saying to them, take off your clothes. And he's also saying, take off your clothes to patients when he has to examine them. So that's why this line is said quite a few times in the film, which is hilarious. Um, and he doesn't want to settle down, but then he meets um, Teresa played by Juliette Binoche and something, something changes in him. And it's suddenly like kind of like falls for her. Anyway, I'm not going to give the whole thing away. It's kind of got a sad ending as well, but it's a beautiful film. Like I said, there's a lot of nudity in this film. And because it is A, based in 1968, and B, filmed in the 80s, Paula, there is so much Big Bush in this film. <laughs> big Bush everywhere. Everybody got Big Bush. <laughs> oh, God. A word I did not expect to hear this morning, uh, you know, following on from <laughs> Madonna last week with her big tree. Um, that's fine. So thanks for just... <laughs> Throwing that out there, unexpectedly. <laughs> you know, just so you know that you know when you're like gonna go watch this movie for the nudity because you know I think I know you, but like just be warned, lots of big bush. Okay, well, <laughs> there's something for everyone, and <laughs> it was of the time. You, you you know, uh, so many movies of the '80s, like more adult themed ones, like Take Out, like the 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 blockbuster stuff. I only really remember mm. them from how they were portrayed in Mad Magazine. And the unbearable lightness of being, I got this thing. Okay. It was like the unbearable lightness of Daniel Day Lewis's butt. Like I, I, it's it's <laughs> so many movies are like just framed by how mad like saw them, and this is one of those. <laughs> I mean, that didn't stand out to me specifically, but okay. <laughs> very arty, Dory. Very very arty, and and a breakaway mm. from our. That is the palate cleanser that is. for the week. Mm. Next week, I might try return to our lesser siblings theme. Yes, well, I'm I'm going to take on the lesser siblings theme because in my family, I'm the lesser sibling. I think so. It's quite kind of works. <laughs> so, so um, my movie takes a weird little roundabout. Weird, weird roundabout. It's a sequel to a phenomenally culturally important movie, right? That critically flopped, 
but was the top performing movie, one of the top 10 performing movies of the year. It had a superstar director, just the man of the moment, killer soundtrack kind of, but the soundtrack was handed over to the lesser sibling of the director. So <laughs> we, <Okay>. um, <laughs> it's basically a sequel that took, you know, sometimes you see a sequel, like a straight, you saw this a lot in the eighties, a straight to video sequel of a better known movie, but with like actors who kind yes. of looked right. So, you know, there's like 10 different home alones, for example, you know, it's like one of those, but like, oh, you know, yeah. that's bad. But what's even worse is where they make a sequel with all the people, all the kind of like hype of the original, but then just do not stick to it at all. They're just gonna, we're just gonna go a completely different direction. This movie starts out, the director is Sylvester Stallone, right? <laughs> I somehow knew that was coming. When you said soundtrack, <laughs> I was like, it can only be Frank Stallone. It, who else could it possibly be? Well done. Well done. And you see, Dory is a font <laughs> of movie and musical and lesser sibling knowledge. So Sylvester Stallone, high off Rocky, wants to direct. So he gets this job to direct this film. And he goes, you know what? The, the original of this film had so many number ones. I mean, it created, we spoke about disco mm -hmm. earlier. It created the disco era. And that's what we say, it's created the movie soundtrack era. I didn't mention the, the movie that actually set off the soundtrack era because I don't want to spoil it. Saturday Night Live, or Saturday Night Fever. Sorry, mm -hmm. Saturday Night Fever. Was Saturday the, Night Fever. <laughs> was the original soundtrack, I've got it, I got it on vinyl. Was the original soundtrack movie, yeah. like five number ones for the Bee Gees, off that album alone. If you think of a Bee Gees song, it was on mm. the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. So they decided Absolutely. a few years later, we're going to make a sequel. Okay, called Staying Alive, oh, right? Lord. Tony Monero, aka okay. John Travolta, brought back in. Sylvester Stallone's going to direct. Sylvester Stallone going to direct it. I mean, Sylvester Stallone at this point where they're saying he could be the next Marlon Brando, right? So he's going to now direct it. <laughs> and he goes, you know what? Because that first movie like, was so defined by the music, you know, my brother kind of wants to be this famous music star. I'm going to give him the soundtrack. So the opening, he's like, he's like, hold your BGs. I've got someone. <laughs> I got, I got, let's be frank. There's, I got a, this. there's a new Stallone in town. <laughs> yeah. So the opening scene of staying alive, my movie for the week is now what happened is if you remember Tony Manero from Saturday Night Fever, uh, he won the dance competition. Saturday Night Fever was a gritty movie. Despite it being about disco and we remember for the cheesiness, mm. it was a dark movie. It was like, I mean, there were suicides, I there was drugs. I saw it so long ago. I've only vaguely remembered it. I, I love it. It's one of my all-time favorites. It's a dark as hell movie, despite okay. it's set in disco and all the camp and all the Bee Gees. Mm. It's a super dark movie. So he's- I'm going to make an effort to watch it again. You got to watch it. Don't watch my, watch my movie, mm. Staying Alive, but watch Saturday Night Fever. Because Saturday Night Fever is a good, good film. It's like top class film, okay? Mm. And uh, yeah. so at the end of it, kind of like in this interlude that uh, Tony Manero's brother, who was the priest says, listen, you gotta go Broadway, New York, you're a great dancer, you gotta make a career in dancing. So off he goes, right? And while he's in New York, he kind of like starts remembering, oh, you know what, I treated people really badly and I'm not getting ahead because of karma. So I need to make peace with everybody, which is totally anti Tony Manero. Mm. I mean, Tony Manero is a dickhead, like lovable dickhead, but he's a dickhead. The song we're talking about, Frank Stallone did a song called Far From Over, right? It just, I'd love to right. play it now. I don't have it lined up. Far from over. This now is going to be the staying alive of staying alive, right? <laughs> okay. Of staying alive. Because staying alive was the song from Saturday Night Fever. This is very confusing. So confusing, right? <laughs> the opening five minutes is John Travolta obviously now at a dance audition with the, this is the thing that blows my mind. You know the bad guy from Robocop who shoots him in the face? The bad, bad yes. guy. He's the choreographer. He's now the guy who makes the cuts and chooses who stays. It's like, what are you doing here? Don't you, don't you have robot <laughs> cops to go kill? So, but now he's dancing and he's dancing with a bunch of people. And you can see as it goes on and on, people, the, the people dancing, doing the audition are getting less and less and less. And then eventually John Travolta's character's out, right? And then it goes, and, but this is the whole song. It's all to the background of this whole song. Not a cut down, not a song, the whole mm. song, right? Is now John Travolta dancing. 
And then now the movie is about him making amends, making peace. He's got to be a good guy so that he can get his big break. He goes back to Brooklyn, apologizes to his mother for what he did, apologizes to old girlfriends. Oh, 1980s, Dory, 1983, he mm. walks past his nightclub, okay? The club where he was the guy. He was the guy. When he was in this town, he was the mm. guy. Odyssey 2001, oh, the worst thing that can happen in the 1980s, it's now a gay club. Oh, he's mortified. <gasps> he's mort. No, he can't. He can't deal with it. He's destroyed. Okay, I mean, this is as bad as it can get for him. Uh, it's just like, oh, what, what did I do now? What, what was my whole life? And then he goes back to New York, gets his break, gets the girl of his dreams, breaks out of the choreographer. The, he stars in this show called Satan's Alley. He decides, you know what? I'm just going to do my own dance, does his own dance. He's the hero. Everyone celebrates. Everything uh, is perfect. Hang on, hang, hang, hang on. Back up a little bit. Satan's Alley? Yes. Isn't that a, an urban dictionary term? No, 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 Grumpy Dory. I'm not. Don't even. No, I'm not. <laughs> Look, at this Sorry, point. I'm just like Satan's Alley. That has to be an urban dictionary thing. <laughs> at this point in our lives, Everything is an urban dictionary <laughs> term, okay? Everything. <laughs> so, yes, it probably is. But in this movie, it's pure. <laughs> it sounds like another term for butt sex. <laughs> Good God, grumpy big bush dory. What is wrong with you today? <laughs> Come on. Everything is. Am it. I wrong? It's it, 100% and it probably is. And I'm not going to Google it because I'm already, I'm already like on the borderline here. So he's now. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, yes, it's fine. I, I was there. It's standing ovation, redemption, everything done, mm. right? Mm. And then the mm. part that happens that we've been waiting for the whole goddamn movie, the whole movie we've been waiting for because it hasn't happened yet. It's got to happen. It's got to yeah. happen. Redemption arc. He's now walking down New York, bright lights, and they recreate the opening of Saturday Night Fever where he's walking down the street with his paint can to staying mm. alive. They now recreate that yeah. as the closing scene of staying alive, him walking around Fifth Avenue in New York with staying alive, playing behind him, book ended. Sylvester Stallone goes, I'm brilliant. Frank Stallone goes, can I come over for Christmas? Movie <laughs> credits roll. <laughs> <laughs> that is my movie staying alive but dory trifecta hmm. there are lots of dancers in this movie lots of lots of always a dancer at one hmm. point one of the main uh, one of the love interests john travolta's love interest hops off stage and she's caught by a man in white suspenders it's about halfway through the movie i go wait patrick Swayze. <laughs> no. Full circle. Patrick no. Swayze is an extra in Staying Alive. And then he's gone. You never see him again. But Patrick Swayze catches <laughs> the love interest. Which brings us full That's circle. Brings us full circle to our, 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 our sibling chat, if you've been listening to the for the past few weeks. Now, I've got to say a few things about Can I just clarify? Yes. Can I just clarify something? Is Frank Stallone actually in the movie? He is. He's an extra. He, no, he is. He is okay. in the movie. So is Sylvester Stallone. So in the opening scene, well, after this big dance scene, Sylvester, I mean, John Travolta is yeah. walking down the street, bumps into a guy and he's like, hey, hey, where are you going? Oh, that's Sylvester Stallone. So he's in it. He's uncredited. He's in it. And right. also before the one show, someone goes, hey, Adrian, you got to do it. It's just like a lot of stupid things like that keep happening in the movie. <laughs> okay. So Frank Stallone is it is in it. He does two songs on the soundtrack. Um, lots of Bee Gees mm -hmm. on the soundtrack again. It's like, it's full of Bee Gees, mm. <laughs> but like Bee Gees songs you've never heard. Uh, Frank Stallone's got two because songs on Sylvester it. Sylvester was like, I mean, you're my brother. I love you, but we want this to be a hit. Yeah. And I mean, let's just, I mean, <laughs> kind of the Bee Gees worked last time. <laughs> You know, um, <laughs> I think their biggest songs out of this was The Woman in You. It's probably their biggest song that they did. Staying Alive obviously is, is in it, but the other songs aren't so, weren't so great, weren't, weren't big hits. Mm. John Travolta at this stage is absolute like sex on wheels. He went into like full on Rocky boot camp with Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone got him in such stupid good shape. Like he was kind of mm. 
gawky, thin and staying al- in Saturday Night Fever, is staying alive. He mm. is a specimen. Like he is always shiny, always bronzed, always muscular. He looks phenomenal in this movie. And um, mm-hmm. like I say, box office success, critical flop, um, cult classic. You got to watch it. You got to be complicit, completist. It is so dumb. <laughs> like if I say um, Saturday Night Fever, really dark movie despite its setting, Staying Alive is exactly the dumb sort of dance movie. It's kind of like flash dance with like none of the appeal. It's, but it's a fun, mm. it's fun. It is really fun. It's just a fun movie. It's stupid. Don't take it too seriously. Look out for Patrick Swayze. Lots of stupid little cameos. Um, and the brothers, the, the siblings, the lesser known siblings, Frank Sloan, Patrick Swayze's there. Got into this talking about Don Swayze. It's perfectly wrapped up just like a movie and its sequel and its, its prequel book ended <laughs> by the same scene. I mean, forget about it. What are you going to do? Forget about it. I, I'm going to try and do this as like a double feature at some point. Download them both. Sorry, uh, get hold of them both and <laughs> watch them like well, back to back. Yeah, you should do that. Sounds like a plan. You should Sounds do like that. A plan. That's a good plan, Dory. I've got a service for you that you can actually use. Okay, we've like mm. we're all over the place today. Spoken so much. I only played one song, but mm. I found this website. So they stream both on Twitch and on YouTube called What's On The Tapes, right? Okay. These guys during lockdown, borders house, start going on eBay, start, what can I buy? They start buying old VHS cassettes, right? People go, I don't know what's on these. So they just, they just go scouring, <laughs> finding old VHS cassettes. Yeah. And they stream it online, <laughs> what they're watching and comment on it. So they don't necessarily put movies uh, because like, they don't want to run to copyright stuff, but on their YouTube channel, what's on the tapes or Twitch if you want, take a listen to the promo trailer. Hi, I'm Matthew Kelly. And I'm Pat Sharp, and welcome to Euro Disney. Do you remember these? I'm Pete. Join me at 8 p.m. every Sunday for What's on the Tapes, a deep dive into the weird, wonderful, and murky world of random VHS tapes I bought on eBay. Now, another wardrobe on the other side. Good. Now, can we squeeze another one in? Hey, careful up there. Good, that's better. That's a great front row. And did I mention, sometimes there's a cat. Please call the Gay and Lesbian Switchboard on 0171 837 7324. That's twitch.tv slash what's on the table. And then you won't be bored again. You'll realize how lucky you are. So that's what he does. They stream it and they watch old gay and lesbian switchboard. uh, Right. They watch old discontinued (laughs) shows, old ads, old news reports, and the guy comments on them as he watches them. And he talks about like- That's amazing. It's it's, uh, so fascinating. What's on the table? They say they've got heaps of movies, tons of movies, TV shows, and things like that. But they don't stream that. They just- just, uh, uh, watch the stuff that they yeah, think they, they just can get find away the, with. the fun stuff. That's hilarious. What's oh on the goodness. what's on the tapes? They, I, I've seen them on Twitch. I haven't seen their YouTube channel, but they say they they do the same thing on YouTube. Um, so maybe maybe we could do that. Maybe we could do that. Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I got rid of all my VH, my old VHS tapes. Damn. Now I'm regretting that. <laughs> you're so you're some. Because it had like ads and stuff from yeah. the TV, you know. What a crazy show today. Being grumpy, we spoke about big mm. bushes, we've gone to Daniel Day Lewis's butt and um the sex machine that is uh young John Travolta. Uh if you are going to cinemas this week, Top Gun Maverick finally comes out. God, it's like only been like fifteen years. Are you gonna watch it or is that a stupid question? <clears throat> no, I don't think I'll watch it because listen, if you're gonna watch it, wear protection because Tom Cruise's self-satisfied spunk is going to get all over you and dirty your jacket. So just like <laughs> such a lovely image. <laughs> I think it's like this has been such a revolting show. <laughs> We've got to put two explicit warnings on this. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have fun writing the header, the headline. <laughs> uh, so, Dory, welcome to Satan's Alley. <laughs> <laughs> with with De- Johnny Depp's grumpy. 
<laughs> is it even worth asking you what you've learned from today's show? <laughs> Are you joking? <laughs> um, sure. I can't even remember half of what we spoke about. God, we'll just... But yes, I learned that Patrick Swayze is in hey. Staying Alive. I did not know that. I don't, I don't even think he knew that. I think, I think he was just there. <laughs> catch this woman. It's foreboding. You'll have to catch a woman in the future. Oh, I'll prepare for this. It's a role I've been preparing for my whole life. <laughs> oh, anything you've heard on the show today that you care to look up again that, that probably won't revolt you, That Eddie Show SA on Facebook and on Instagram, That Eddie Show SA, the podcast where you get all our interviews. Thanks for joining me, Dory. Goodbye, you filthy-mouthed person. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha